You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Today we're going to be talking about um, expectancy. Expectancy, or being expectant. I was going to read you the, the long Webster's Dictionary of it, but we're not going to. And I'm not talking about um, expectancy or being expectant. I'm not giving you a, a, um, a pregnant um, mother's uh, health lesson. Not that kind of expectancy, okay? I'm not qualified to do that. I wouldn't try to do it. Um, what we're talking about is expectancy from God. See, I think that, I think that all too often we, we hear about the stories of our God. You know, it, it says, let me read you this real quick. It says in, um, in Romans 15:4, For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the Scripture. Encouragement from the Scripture. That's one of the reasons that, that we, have, we have this awesome, awesome book to go by, right? Because it gives us encouragement through the Scripture. And I think that, for me, I, I'm a story guy. That I don't like to read. I'm not a huge reader, but I love to read my Bible. And my, my mind probably goes in a little bit different places from other people when I read my Bible because I like to really get into the depth of the story. My wife is a, is a language arts teacher. She's, a, she's the best language arts teacher in Texas. Um, and she loves, loves, loves to read. And again, I just don't do it that much unless it's right here. Um, she would, and she tells me all the time, like, babe, like, how, how, do you, how do you read those books? She's like, well, if you're, she was telling me last night, when you read a book, it's better than the movie because you get to be your own director. You get to cast your own characters. You get to, um, um, you get to see them in the setting that you would like to see them set. Does that make sense to you guys? Um, for me, that was probably the first time we've talked about a book that I actually had an aha moment, and a light bulb went off that, hey, that kind of makes sense. And so, um, so it, 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 and for me, it relates to when I, read, when I read this good book because there's so many really awesome, awesome historical stories in it that, that I use to, to lead myself on, on the path to him. And so, but I think what happens is a lot of times we'll go through and we'll read some of these stories, particularly in the Old Testament, and we don't necessarily allow it to create expectancy in our life. It becomes just a story. Just a story. Good story, but just a story. And what I'm going to challenge you with this morning as we kind of go through the next, next few minutes is, is just to kind of have a level of expectancy in your life. To have a level of expectancy when you come into the house of God. Think about that. Think about if, if every single morning, every Sunday morning, when you walk through those double doors, you come in here with a level of expectancy. We can call it expectant faith, whatever you choose to call it, but with a level of expectancy. You come in with, with carrying that, the, the burdens and the bondage that maybe you're locked up in for that week, and you come in here with the expectation that our all-good Father is going to take care of those things for you. I don't know if we have any first-time visitors in the, in the place today. If we do, again, like Pastor Ken said, we really welcome you. We are, um, uh, I, can, I can get all, all cheesy up here and tell you how excited we are that, that you're here, but we really, really do appreciate you coming. Um, but also, if you're a first-time guest and maybe you came with a friend today, maybe someone, maybe your neighbor invited you, we honor you too for inviting your friends to church. We really do. Um, one of the reasons why is you probably do it because it comes from a place of expectancy. You know, it, we can... Um, in the youth group, we tell our students all the time, hey, invite your friends, invite your friends, invite your friends. I promise you guys, it's not because we're trying to add more chairs to our youth room. 
That's not it at all. We tell them to invite their friends because we understand the supernatural power that our God has to unlock things inside their life and take care of the things that are hurting them. We understand that. So think about this. As a friend, as a cousin, as a brother, as a mother, as a coworker, if you had that same expectancy that whenever you invited your friends to church and you knew the things that were a burden on their life, that when they came here, that they came here, that the Lord would deliver them from, them th- from, th- from those things, how many more people will we invite to church? And really, how many more people will we invite to church? That, that's awesome. Anyway, so back to the story of the Bible. So um, today we're going to be reading from, uh, from Joshua, and we're going to read the story about Joshua and the Israelites. Um, you know, they, they were, you know, Moses had taken the Israelites out of Egypt and took them out of bondage, and um, they had traveled across the desert, and it took them to the, to the west bank of the Jordan. Um, and at that point, um, we sung the song, Split the Seas. He split the seas so I could walk right through it, right? The Lord kind of put this on my spirit while I was singing that a while ago. He split the seas so we could walk through it. It doesn't say that he split the seas and walked us through it. Like there is a course of action you have to take to walk through that. He will open those doors for you. He will split those seas. He will do those supernatural things in your life. But it does take you to have the course of action to actually walk through that dry bed of that river. Make sense? All right. Throw that on you real quick. All right. So we're reading from, uh, from again, from Joshua. And it's uh, and the, the Israelites have been delivered and... and um, uh, Joshua knew that the Lord was speaking to him and telling him that he had to cross that Jordan and get across and get to the land of, of milk and honey that, that the Lord had promised to the Israelites when he took them out of bondage, right? And so um, whenever they crossed the Jordan, one of the very first cities that they were going to have to go through to go claim what God had given them was Jericho. The majority of us have probably heard this story, and, and again, I encourage you this morning as we kind of read through it to, to use my awesome wife's advice that, hey, you get the chance to kind of cast your own characters and and be your own director, and just really and, and, and go on this journey with me as we read this. So, um, so what happens is, is uh, Joshua um, has uh, someone come to him, um, and and tells gives him instruction on how he is supposed to take this wall down. And I did a little bit of research on kind of what the wall at Jericho looked like, what it was, and what it was size wise, what it was likely like, its dimensions, things like that. And what I found was it was probably about 11 feet high at the face of the wall. Okay, so about 11 feet high. And it was about 14 feet deep or wide, okay? There were actually, um, we, know from, uh, we know from the prostitute that, that um, the, the scouts went, went into, their, into her house. We know that her house was actually in the wall of Jericho. And so it was, it was 11 feet high, about 14 feet deep. So they had dwellings amongst the wall, right? And it says that um, it probably had about a 35-degree angle that ran up from the front face of that wall up to the back part of the wall where there was actually another wall standing on top of that. So we're talking about a big wall. This isn't like the, um, the six-foot cedar fence in your backyard. We're talking about a real large stone wall that they believed, um, the history says, was probably one of the best guarded cities in the world at that time, right? So we're going to read from, uh, from Joshua 5. Let's start off at, um, excuse me. We're going to start at Joshua 5.13. If y'all give y'all a second to turn with me. We'll have it up here, too, if you don't bring your Bible. So when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua approached him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. I have now come as a commander of the Lord's army. Then Joshua bowed with his face to the ground in worship and asked him, 
What does my Lord want to say to his servant? The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Just stop right there real quick. Just throw a little nugget in there. Um, we have to be reverent in the presence of our God. We have to be reverent in the presence of our God. In my opinion, I don't know that the, the significance of, of taking his sandals off in this spot um, on the bank of the Jordan was as significant as, as, as the commander of the Lord's army telling him, hey, um, God has a plan for you. Be reverent to that plan. So we go to six one. It says, Now Jericho was strongly fortified because of the Israelites. No one leaving or entering. The Lord said to Joshua, Look, I have handed Jericho, its king, and its fighting men over to you. So that's where, where we see that God had made that promise to Joshua that um, that would be fulfilled, that he was going to hand Jericho over to him. March around the city with all the men of war, circling the city one at a time. One time. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven ram's horns, trumpets, in front of the ark. But on the seventh day, march around the city seven times while the priests blow the trumpets. When there is a prolonged blast of the horn and you hear its sound, have all the people give a mighty shout. Then the city wall will collapse. Think about that. Stop there for one second. And so this, this, this person that, that, that Joshua comes across says, look, here's the deal. God's already given you the city. Jericho is yours. He made the promise to Moses when he took, took the Israelites out of captivity that that land would be theirs, right? The promise has already been made. But here's how you're going to do it, right? I'm not going to tell you to, get a, to go get a, a battering ram, and I'm not going to tell you to cast oil on the wall, and I'm not going to tell you to, to dig, a, dig a tunnel through the wall. You're simply going to march your people around the, the exterior of this wall. And I can see Joshua being the, we, we know from history that Joshua was, um, was a good general, I could see Joshua looking at this dude and being like, man, that don't make any sense. Like, I don't know if that's going to work, but I think it's good here in a little bit. <clears throat> so Joshua, son of Nun, summoned the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant and have seven priests carry seven trumpets in front of the Ark of the Lord. He said to the people, move forward, march around the city, and have the armed troops go ahead of the Ark of the Lord. After Joshua had spoken to the people, seven priests carrying seven trumpets before the Lord moved forward and blew the trumpets. The Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. While the trumpets were blowing, the armed troops went in front of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard went behind the Ark. But Joshua had commanded the people, Do not shout or let your voice be heard. Don't let one word come out of your mouth until the time I say shout. Then you are to shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the city, circling it once, then returned to the camp and spent the night there. Imagine what Joshua's people th are, are thinking at this point. Right? It's one thing that you have this, this man of God, Joshua, who um, whom, uh, we, we know from Scripture had numerous conversations with the Lord, right? He was tuned up. He knew what the Lord was talking about. But then he's leading this army that it tells us, it tells us probably about 40,000 people in the army that he marched around the, the city walls. What are they thinking? Right? What are they thinking? Are they thinking, man, has Joshua lost his mind? Did he catch some kind of disease going across the, 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 the Jordan River? Um, they don't know what's going on. So, again, this is Jonathan. Just deal with me on this. This is kind of how I go through the story and, and be my own director, whatever you want to call it. So, Joshua got up early the next morning. The priest took the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests carrying seven trumpets marched in front of the ark of the Lord. 
While the trumpets were blowing, the armed troops went in front of them, and the rear guard went behind the ark of the Lord. On the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. Early on the seventh day, they started at dawn and marched around the city seven times in the same way. That was the only day they marched around the city seven times. Why couldn't it be one time again? Why couldn't it be seven times every day? I don't know. It just wasn't. We'll talk about that in a little bit, though. After the seventh time, the priests blew the trumpets, and Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Think about that. Here's Joshua leading these 40,000 men around, around this huge wall of Jericho, one of the most fortified cities in the world at this time. But it's a land that God had promised to them. And Joshua told his men, the Lord says, and we will do, we'll march around at one time a day for six days. On that seventh day, we're going to march around. When you hear the long trumpet, we're going to shout. We're going to do what? We're going to shout. Is that like the new word for, for like sling a catapult? No. We're going to shout, right? And so I know for me, um, <laughs> in my shaky faith at times, um, I don't know how expectant I would be that when I shouted, those walls were going to come down. I mean, think about it. Put, put yourself in Joshua's, Joshua's shoes. Shout, and the wall will come down. And so Joshua, out of his face, says, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. But the city and everything in it are set apart for the Lord's destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and everyone with her in the house will live because she hid the men we sent. We're going to jump to verse 20 real quick. So when he said shout, so the people shouted, and the trumpet sounded. When they heard the blast of the trumpet, the people gave a great shout, and the wall collapsed. Wow, that's awesome. Like, um, that's really, really awesome. We went and watched a movie last night that was from a, from a book, um, again, because my wife's a reader. So we went and watched this movie called The Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials. Um, pretty good, I guess. I, again, I've never read the book, but the movie was okay. And when I read stories like this, I think about, man, how awesome the movie would be or actually how awesome it would be to actually be there in the presence of all that happened and actually bear witness to all these awesome, amazing things, right? And we, we read all kinds of cool stories, whether it's, whether it's the sea splitting or the, or the, the Jordan, um, uh, you know, the st- stopping the downflow of the river or the Jordan, you know, or even, even Jesus spitting on his eyes and creating mud and putting it on the blind man's eyes to, to give him sight. Or could you imagine being one of the people that were, that were at, the, at, at Saul's conversion to Paul on the road to Damascus. Could you imagine being one of his, one of his people along with him when that happened? Man, amazing, amazing things. Really, really cool. I'd like to have been there. Anyway, so um, thank you for letting me read that with you guys real quick. Um, as we talk about expectancy, we kind of pick this story apart in a couple of key points I want to kind of leave you guys with. Let me read you something from Psalm 62 real quick. It says, He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will never be shaken. The the reason that I'm, I'm expectant from my God, the same way that Joshua was expectant, that God would fulfill what he said he was going to do, is because the scripture tells me, read it a while ago, that we get we get um, encouragement and knowledge from, from 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 scripture, and it says, He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will never be shaken. That's why I'm expecting of my God. That's why I'm going to challenge you guys this morning that, that you become expectant of your God. That you become expectant that, 
that the promises that he's laid out for you in his scripture, the promises he's laid out for you inside your own life, that you place a level of expectancy on those things, that he'll fulfill those things. Y'all with me? We're good? All right. Good deal. So a couple of things out of the story real quick. First, um, I, I want to kind of look at, look at what happened here from Joshua's perspective and some things that I think are, are really critical to us kind of moving from where we are right now, some of us, myself, into a place of expectancy. And first is that Joshua understood that there can be, very, there, there can be vast differences in, in God's plan to man's plan. There can be a huge difference in what our plan is and how we expect to see things done to what God's plan is and how he expects or how he'll do those things. In Isaiah 55, 8, 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He tells us there's so many different examples in Scripture where he lets us us know that just the way that we perceive things to be done isn't necessarily the way that he perceives things to be done. I referenced a second ago the the story from the New Testament where Jesus spits in the mud and, 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 and the ground and, and grabs the, the, the clay and makes mud and puts it on, puts it on, on the, the blind person's eyes. And it's, it's one of my favorite stories, too, because um, there, there were so many, and you've probably heard me say it before, there, there were so many easier ways for him to, 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 to conquer that. I mean, he, he, could have, he could have snapped his fingers and commanded the man to see, and he would have been able to see. He could have um, he could have not spit in the ground and made mud and put it on the guy's eyes. That would be the logical thing, right? But no, but Jesus, the way that he was and the way our God works is he, he spit in the dirt and he picked it up and he, he made, spit in his hand and he made mud and put it, on, put it on his eyes and the scales fell off and, and the guy was able to see. And so we've got to get to the place where we truly understand that the way we perceive things to be aren't necessarily the way that they're going to be. I've gone through a lot of situations in my life where... Um, I will pray and say, Father, 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 I need you, to, I need you to, to, to redeem me in this situation or I need you to take control of this or, or deliver me or, or whatever the situation may be. And, and, and in, my, in my, um, my perceived smartness, I will actually uh, try to devise my own plan. You know, I'll call out on his name to take care of the situation, but I don't want him to take care of it the way that he wants to take care of it. Does that make sense? And so I'll actually try to plan every single piece out. Okay, well, first got to do this, and then I have to call this person to do this, and then I need this happen for this to happen. It doesn't work that way, guys, right? It doesn't work that way. It's important that we're, we're tuned up to what God is trying to tell us and what his plan is on how he's going to deliver you from situations. You see, in, in the scripture, Joshua didn't do that. Joshua didn't, didn't attempt to, um, to figure the plan out on his own. I got mucho respect for Joshua. Joshua listened to what the plan was, and he went out and set forth with his men, and they did that, right? So Joshua understood that there can be vast differences in God's ways and the way of man. Number two, Joshua knew that the power of God is supernatural and often beyond our comprehension. From a military standpoint, again, Joshua was a good general. Kind of going back to the plan, like he, marching around the wall to him probably didn't make much sense, but it didn't need to. To him, what he was probably thinking, like I referenced a moment ago, is he was probably thinking, wouldn't it make a lot more sense to, to drill a hole through the wall? Wouldn't it make a lot more sense to maybe pour burning oil on the outside of the wall and, and try to weaken the structure of the wall so that, so that he could, his, his men could push through it? Wouldn't it make more sense to maybe attack one of the doors or the gates of the city? 
But see, Joshua had this real understanding that God worked in a very supernatural way. There's, there's situations that we get into where we look at it and say, you know what? In our flesh, in this natural being, I see no way out of this situation. I see absolutely no way out of this situation. Could be a broken relationship. Could be a, the, the death of a loved one. And you see no way out of this situation. That's where God's supernatural power comes in. See, one thing that I've learned about my God is that he loves to do things in supernatural ways. He knows what's best. There's times that he's going to do things that, that make sense in the flesh and make sense here on, this, here on this earth, but there's times that he's going to do miraculous, miraculous things like march an army around a wall and make it fall because he works in the supernatural. And then you think about that, what it says in Psalms, we read a while ago, that he alone is my rock and salvation, my stronghold. I will never be shaken. And then you consider that he operates from a supernatural place. Man, how encouraged should that make us feel? Whenever we think about that, that struggle that maybe our, our, our neighbor or our cousin or our brother or sister is going through, and, and, and you want that, that source of encouragement to invite them to church so they can come hear the good news, Right? When you realize that our God works from a supernatural place, man, it, it, it should really encourage you to be able to do that. Joshua also understood the relationship between faith and God's grace. He understood the relationship between faith and, and the grace of God. I'm going to read you something real quick from Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read 27 through 27 through 34. Bear with me one second. Hey, Justin, you can you can go ahead and make your way up if you'd like to, sir. If you don't mind. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 27 through 34, it says, By faith he left Egypt behind, not being afraid of the king's anger. For Moses, for Moses persevered as one who sees him who is invincible. By faith he instituted the Passover and the, and the sprinkling of the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch the Israelites. By faith they crossed the Red Sea, as though they were on dry land. When the Egyptians, Egyptians attempted to do this, they were drowned. And by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after being encircled by the Israelites. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after being circled by the Israelites for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, received the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. Love this. And what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouth of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength after being weak, 
became mighty in battle and put foreign armies in flight by faith. If you go back and read that entire chapter, there's a lot of more things where that's kind of, um, <laughs> we talk about, you know what, man? I wish I, could, I, I wish I could just get a front row seat in some of these things that took place. Just a front row seat in those walls coming down, or a front row seat in, in the lion's den. We just have to have expectancy. If you think about it, we just have to have expectancy and faith that, that we can see those things occur right now too. Our God is the same God. The same God that, that knocked those walls down is the same God that delivered Daniel from the lion's den is the same God that calls us his children right now. It's the same, God didn't change. And I catch myself in that place where I'm saying, man, I wish I could have seen those things firsthand. Think, of, think about what I'm saying. Catch on to that. Man, I wish I could have seen those things firsthand. How awesome would that be? We can. That's the point where my good father reaches down and grabs me by the collar and says, hey, knucklehead, you can. You just have to, you have, to have the faith. It tells us right there. There's nothing he can't achieve. He created this whole thing. There's nothing he can't achieve. You just have faith and expectancy. Matthew 21, 21 says, Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. He's sitting around with his disciples and he says, hey, don't worry about that fig tree after wither because it wouldn't give any fruit. Same faith. You can tell that mountain to jump in the sea and it's going to do it. And if my Lord and Savior Jesus said it, then I believe it. I do. That's an amazing, amazing thing. So we knew that Joshua understood that there can be vast differences in God's way and in our way. He knew that the power of God was a supernatural power. It wasn't of this earth. He understood the relationship between faith and the grace of God. And lastly, Joshua was expectant. Joshua was expectant. Oh, man, how I envy Joshua. My prayer over the past week has been, God, give me that same expectancy. You know, one of the things that we've been, we've been talking about is um, in some of our small groups and, and meetings and things like that has been just having a level of expectancy. You heard me, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat the proverbial dead horse. Having a level of expectancy. That when you walk through those doors on a Sunday morning, you come, with the, you come from a place of expectancy that, that God will move and that God will meet you where you're at. It'll, it'll change everything about your life. It'll change the way you worship. I'll tell you firsthand, it'll change the way you worship. Whether it's raising your hands or kicking your feet or whatever it is that you feel you have to do to honor God, whatever it is, it'll change the way that you worship. When you're expectant that when you just open up your heart and just seek out his face and you, and you look to him and you honor him in that moment of worship because 
It's not about who you are. not about what you've done. It's not about how your week's going. It, it, and that, it's, it's not about that. It's about lifting him up and worshiping him. It'll change the way you worship because you have the expectation that he'll meet you right where you're at. You have the expectation that, that when you're still, that you will know that he's God. You have the expectation that when you seek him out amongst other believers, that he will be there. I've been in it's so, so many times, I've been in places of worship for myself, just for me personally, to where I've stood there before the Father and I'm like, I'm worshiping you, God, and I praise you, and this song was really cool and it's got an awesome beat. And at the end of the day, I don't know if I'm going to get to see you today, but at the end, of the, but I'm, I'm going to be here, right? Man, shift that. Shift that thought process. You know what? I'm coming here and I'm going to stand before you on this Sunday morning, this Thursday afternoon. I drive in my car, wherever it may be, and I'm going to proclaim your name and who you are and I'm going to lift you up. And I know because you're a good, good father and because you love me and you want me to have joy and peace, I know that you're going to show up right where I'm at and you and I are going to hang out for a little while. I'm telling you to change the way you worship. Joshua didn't instruct his army to to follow through with with God's plan on the chance that those walls may fall. Think about that. It wasn't on the chance the walls may fall. It was on the expectancy. I promise you the, the good old General Joshua would not have told his army to rise up and march on those walls if he didn't believe 100% that God was going to deliver on his plan that his walls would fall. God delivers on his promises 100% of the time. 100%. Not 99.8. He doesn't take a promise off every once in a while. He just doesn't. God will deliver on his promises 100% of the time. For some of you from a, from a place of expectancy, it's not about having bondage in your life broken. It's not about some struggle or pain that you're going through that, that, um, that you need the good Lord to deliver you from and give you peace and comfort. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's something good. Maybe there's, a, maybe there's a plan or a vision that God has, has planted that seed in your heart and and he has, he has given you the promise that he will deliver this thing to you. And all that we're lacking is the place of expectancy to actually see it fulfilled. Because here's the it, it, We don't understand why, but we know that God included us in this whole thing. We're here, right? He gave us the great commission. He included us in, the, in this thing for a reason. I don't know that if Joshua wouldn't have gotten his army and walked around those walls, if those walls wouldn't have fell. It was God's plan. Again, don't get it twisted, kind of like the, the, the mud from the ground. He could drop those, those walls with, with a breath. But he, he gave Joshua a promise and gave Joshua a vision and told him that he would lift him up amongst the Israelites after the death of Moses. But you have to go do this. He split the sea so he could walk right through it, right? Got to walk through it. He gave you the plan. He gave you the promise. You got to walk through it. Imagine how much different your life could be if you just came, if you just lived in a place of expectancy of God. And he wants you to be there. When we read through in Hebrews all these 
all these amazing, miraculous things were done in the faith of God. I truly believe that part of the reason that, that we reference those here in Hebrews is, is because we're, he likes to be glorified. He's worthy and he likes to be glorified, right? I think some of the supernatural, the way we see, the way, the way we see things supernaturally done is because he likes to be glorified. Stand up for me real quick, if you don't mind. I think it's really, really, really important as we as we're talking about it, you know, expectancy and coming from a place of expectancy that, um, that we may have some people here today that that honestly have no clue what I'm talking about, no clue, or maybe you've heard this story of the good, good father and and. Um, and it, it, you haven't had the opportunity to, to become a child of God and to, to give your life to the Father and, and have a relationship with Him. And I'm not going to ask you to, to raise your hands or, or that, but um, if that's you this morning and, and the Lord is, it tells us that the Father will draw you, and if, if He's pulling on your heart and He's saying, look, here's the deal, I want you to be in that place of expectancy as well. And you've never had the opportunity to ask Jesus to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. It's a free gift. It's very simple. It's very simple. It's proclaiming to him that he is the Son of God and that you are a sinner. And that Jesus was sent to this earth to die on the cross so that you can have a relationship with God. And the only way to the Father is through Him. That He was the only begotten Son and the only way to the Father is through Him. To believe that in your heart. And if that's you this morning, then, man, I, I, I encourage you to have that conversation with the Lord and, and let Him know. I highly encourage you to have that conversation. If um, Keith, Carol, y'all good? PK, you want to come up? You don't mind? If that's you and, and, and that's and you, you feel the Lord tugging on you right now for that, then here in a moment when we close, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna encourage you and, and I want to pray for you guys. I'm gonna encourage you to come forward and to and to see um, Keith or, or Miss Carol or, or Pastor Ken and just allow them to to pray with you on that. It's it's here's the deal, guys. It's not about praying a prayer. It's not it's good to have someone pray with you when you make that decision. It's good to profess that with your mouth to someone so they can pray with you. And that, that, that's what this church body is about, right? Or maybe you're someone else again that just the expectancy thing just lays in your heart and you're like, you know what? I've got to get to that place to where I am more expectant. Because that's where the Father wants you to be. Then again, please come up and receive some prayer. Pray with somebody next to you pray for you guys real quick and we'll be dismissed. Father God, we love you, Lord. We just thank you so much for this day, Father. We thank you again for, for your house, God. We thank you for your presence, Lord. Father, we thank you that you've sent your son to this earth, God, to, to die on the cross, God, and to be resurrected. Father, to be resurrected so that we can have a relationship with you. 
Father, I thank you for your promises. I thank you for your goodness, God. I thank you for, for making us your children, Father. It's such a beautiful thing, God. Thank you for making us your children, God. Lord, I ask you that, that this morning, Father, if there's, if there's someone or, or some ones who are here, God, that, that you are just drawing on them, Lord, and, and pulling them into your, to your presence, your kingdom, God, that, that you'll just give them the courage to come forward and talk to someone, Father, before they leave and, and to let us pray with them, God. And, and Father, just, just implant that truth into their heart, God, that, that when that, that happens, that, that your angels rejoice, Father, because there's no sweeter place to be, God, than your presence, Father, in relationship with you, Lord. Father, I ask you that, that you will just start to just open us up to a, to a place of expectancy, God, that, that not just on Sunday mornings when we come into your house, God, but when we wake up and we go to work or when we, we have dinner with our, with our wife or our husband or we have conversation with our kids, the way that we raise our kids, everything will be done with a, with a level of expectancy because you want us to have joy here on this moral earth, God. You are such a good Father, God. We praise you and we bless you and we thank you for loving us. In your perfect, perfect name we pray. Amen.